0: Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North
1: with your hosts, David Haw.
2: There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded,
0: or the execution of the closing on the land. In Arlington Heights. And Dan Weider. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back.
2: Welcome to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. also on the 670 The Score's YouTube page. You can watch us there. I'm David Hoff from the Mullin Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weederer from the Chicago Tribune. We've got a great pod today. Gary Fensick, 85 Bear, going to join us in a little bit. But first, Dan, the combine is over. <laughs> the teams have left Indianapolis, and the Bears got a lot accomplished. Ryan Poles did a lot of talking. I'm wondering what you think initially about his Decision to be more open, it seems, because he's getting around to a lot of different outlets from Peter King to Albert Breer to uh, the Barstool Network. There's a lot of different outlets that he has gone to to spread the message that the Bears. Open for business.
0: Well, so yeah, you start out with that, right? Ryan Poles has a message that he wants to communicate to the league. And so it allows him uh, in a year like this, where the Bears have relevance. I talked about it all last week that, that the, 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 the volume of relevance that the Bears had at the scouting combine compared to the last five or six times I had been there, it didn't even compare. And so you understand that the Bears are at the center of everything going on in this offseason, which gives Ryan pulls juice, and then it gives his message juice. And so it makes sense for him to kind of branch out. At the same time, David, I would just say that it it strikes us as surprising and somewhat refreshing because of how much of a contrast it is to his predecessor, Ryan Pace, who didn't do a lot of this and didn't want to be sort of on stage with the microphone kind of trumpeting the message of the Chicago Bears a lot. And so you have kind of a difference in approach colliding with a, a, a level of juice and relevance that hasn't been there in a while. And it's given us an opportunity to learn a lot more. Uh, obviously about Ryan's vision and and how he hopes this offseason goes because obviously 7 re- weeks from now we're going to be having a totally different discussion where possibility is no longer the 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 discussion point and and what actually happened is going to be what we're talking about
2: Before I get into some of the things that stood out, I wanted to know what you believe was the degree or the amount of uh, strategic initiative factoring in here. Because there was definitely, I wondered if it was just, as you said, maybe just being relevant and active and friendly and professional, or was it strategic in getting certain messages out to the right people?
0: Both, right? I mean, like because Peter King wants to talk to Ryan Poles because the Bears have the number one pick and almost $100 million in cap space. You know, a couple of years ago, Peter King has no interest in that storyline at this time of year because there's a lot bigger fish to fry. I also think that Ryan just understands that you have to dance the dance. And right now the Bears have to dance the dance until they have... What they want and what they want is a, a whole, you know, gift basket worth of picks for the NFL draft this year, next year and beyond to try to build this team back into a sustainable championship contender. Uh, and they also have to go into free agency a week from now and, and figure out how they are going to be disciplined, but productive. In a very critical stretch of a few weeks there, that's going to lead them into the draft. So there's a lot of work that needs to get accomplished. And some of the work that needs to get accomplished requires messaging. And I think Ryan and uh, Ian Cunningham and other people uh, on that bear staff have done a nice job of of getting out in front and trying to let the the rest of the league know exactly where they're at and and what they need to do to, uh, to come get whatever they want.
2: Okay, a couple of the messages that I uh, feel like are, are most important. Number one, through Peter King, he said that Ryan Poles had talked to three different teams about trading the number one overall pick, that there was a, a propensity to, to uh, look ahead for – or, or I guess Ryan Poles wants to look at this as a long-term project, not just a one-year draft, and yes. that's how you sustain success. And he talked about getting and being confident in getting a first-round pick in 2024 and a first round pick in 2025. And if he's able to do that, Dan, I believe that they'll feel like they can either use those picks or use them to move up, which brings me to my other big takeaway from the Peter King article was that this commitment to Justin Fields, almost, he said, see it through. He must be listening to our podcast. (laughs) See See it through. And that allows him to do that because next year, if you see it through, 2023 and you don't like what you have in Justin Fields you would have the draft capital you'd be armed to move up to be in a position to draft a quarterback you might prefer
0: People don't understand the impact of the Take the North podcast on general managers around the league, particularly in Chicago. It's like a puppeteering station for us in here, right? Like we can just say this, see it through, and and, and we get our message across and we do a good job of getting our messaging through so that so that they listen accordingly. But you're right, David, that there's a lot here. And, you know, my sense of, of them trying to, to accumulate multiple future first-round picks is that it's going to require a deeper – fall down the draft board, right? You may have to go down to nine with Carolina to get that kind of return. Well, maybe Carolina's already said, hey, <laughs> keep us in mind because we're here. And one of the things that you said is um, that Peter King's article alluded to that the Bears have talked to three teams about the number one pick. I always tell people about this with trade talks. There is trade talks and there are trade offers. And a lot of times those get misconstrued uh, in the national conversation. And just the way we talk about things, there's a big, big difference between a team reaching out and going, what are you asking for that? Who else is interested? And the team saying, here's what we're going to give you for it. You know and so that's what you got to have to filter through here in the coming weeks to figure out what is actually on the table for the bears versus just open lines and and that they can reach back out to those open lines and try to figure those things out um again this is going to be fascinating i i I talked to my colleague colleen kane over the weekend and and she said look like it it can't come fast enough that the bears finally execute this deal because we need to know (laughs) what picks they're getting back because all of this conversation that really started in in mid-november centers around what they actually get back. And then obviously the extension of that is who they actually take with the picks that they get back. We've had such a a long extended period of dreaming and imagination and best case scenarios. None of it matters if you don't follow through and then get the maximum number of picks and then make good with those picks.
2: And I think waiting will allow you to maximize the value because number one, the league year starts next week when that does you can get a future first in 2025 and on draft day i think with the trade if you if you trade your number one pick you can get a, a number one first round draft pick in 2026 so you always have one eye on the future if you really truly want to be a draft driven team and you do have patient ownership in your ryan poles i don't know what your hurry would be i go back and forth if you're going to include a player i understand why you'd want to do that to get in free agency and understand what your wish list is by the same token on the other hand if you're if you're a patient gm with all the security that he, we know that he has why would you be in a rush to make a deal
0: yeah you you wouldn't be unless somebody offered you a a veteran player that you say yes this guy's a you know perennial all pro at a position of need and he helps us Go forward in a way that makes sense. I think that, you know, my bold prediction for when we get to the the start of free agency a week from now is that the first 36 to 48 hours are going to kill Bears fans. Like they see $98 million in the the wallet and they think that Ryan's just going to go in there and go to the highest diving board at the pool and do a cannonball and make the biggest splash there possibly is. And all that Ryan has said for months and months now, and again, emphasized at the combine last week in Indianapolis is you have to make sure you are patient and disciplined. And one of the things that people around the league say is he's already shown. Own, that his parameters financially, while they may be somewhat flexible, he's not afraid to be convicted and firm with where those stand. Roquan Smith being the case in point where the Bears had a value that they thought Roquan Smith was worth and they were willing to go a little bit above that to try to, to make ends meet. But it, once it got to a point where it was like, well, that's not where we value him. And the, the biggest mistake you can make as, a, as an NFL executive is to pay someone more than you value them as just to get the signing done. Right. And so that's why I say those first 48 hours, you're going to see like 10 or 12 teams making signings that have name brand value to them. And people are going to be going, What are the Bears doing? What are they doing? You watch this. Like, we're going to talk about this next week. And eventually it'll be kind of a, you know, a a methodical grind through free agency before they get their entire class assembled. But just be ready for that because that's part of Ryan Poles' MO this offseason.
2: Back to the draft conversation at the combine in si.com, Ryan Poles told Albert, Albert Breer that there were seven players. Seven players that he can envision drafting number one overall. I think that's a little high, Dan. I think that's got to include, well, blue (laughs) players, but that's got to include the quarterbacks. Maybe Anthony Richardson uh, leaped into that conversation, literally and figuratively, but I don't know about seven. That, to me, seemed like that was some of the inflated messaging that might be being put out there to make people think something might not be, the, it's true that might not be the case.
0: Blue bucket, blue bucket. We got seven names in the blue bucket right now, right? Or maybe more than that, but uh, I mean, it, it it seems hefty at the same time as the Bears have a lot of needs, and I think we'd both agree that, you know, Bryce Young is a candidate to be picked number one. Will Anderson's okay. a candidate. Right. Uh, jalen carter would be is in that he? list nope. right uh, nope. well that's a question right they've got to figure out how to handle that but talent wise certainly he's a candidate you okay. certainly now you're going to have your discussions internally at 1920 football drive this week and figure out which direction you want to go with that i think you're talking about i mean this uh, yeah i guess skaranski wouldn't be a guy you'd take number well,
2: one Ty, CJ, Ty, cj shroud
0: the Ed rusher from texas tech tyree wilson he's got to be in that on that list a little okay. bit that's fine um, yeah, maybe we're maybe we're struggling to get 7. I don't have my full Levis. list. Oh, you, you know you know who else that is a really I no, I wouldn't pick Will Levis number 1 overall. Anthony maybe Richardson? You, maybe you have to sell that. I, no, I wouldn't do that number 1 overall either. Well,
2: I mean, but some people are going to maybe he's saying that some people would have him that high because yeah. otherwise you really struggle to get 7 names that make sense that doesn't re- reveal him to be, you know, an an, an embellisher.
0: Well, it's, right, right. And some of this like some of this is are you embellishing to convince the rest of the league that, hey, you know, we're we're comfortable taking these seven guys at number one, or are you embellishing so you feel comfortable that when you trade back to nine, you go, Oh yeah, we got one of the guys that we would have taken number one overall. And then you can message that to the public hey. as saying the headliner of our draft class is the guy that we would have thought would have been the headliner of our draft class much higher. You know what happens every year on draft weekend. Every single guy that gets picked. Those teams just can't believe he was still available, ever. <laughs> if they draft ninth and they
2: are, are in a position to take an offensive tackle or an offensive lineman, there was some news over the weekend. Peter Skronsky from Northwestern, whose uh, grandfather played for the Green Bay Packers. He's got short arms, Dan. I don't know if you've heard, but they're only 32 inches and a quarter. So maybe he's a guard. Maybe he's a good tackle because of his footwork. But if he's there at nine, you could see the Bears maybe jumping at that if they move down the, to ninth and they get two first-round picks from the Panthers, who are desperate for a quarterback. Now that Derek Carr is a saint.
0: Yeah. I, I look, like, right. And, and you have everything available to you right now. Every option is possible. And so it's going to be really interesting to see which direction they go. Um, obviously, I think you and I both agree that this is the first time in a while. I, I think I tweeted it over the weekend that it hadn't been since 2018 that I went to a combine and the Bears had a first round pick. The 2021 combine was canceled because of the COVID or amended. And, and so all of a sudden, you see all these prospects coming to the podium and you're like, these guys all have a chance to be Chicago Bears in some way, shape or form. So we'll see how it shakes up. Plenty
2: of draft talk to come. We'll have a lot of things to say moving forward, but we have a special guest we want to welcome next. Welcome back to the Take the North podcast. Dan and I are uh, excited to welcome our next guest. Dan, our football IQ collectively just exponentially.
0: <laughs> yeah, David, we've got loyal Chicago Tribune subscriber, Gary Fensick, longtime <laughs> Chicago Bears season ticket holder. And oh, yeah. Verse seven vocalist from the Super Bowl shuffle. Gary Fensick. thanks for joining <laughs> us. How are you doing, Gary?
1: Hey, Gary. Doing well. Yeah, great. You know, I, I think the, my, the rest of my life, I guess, so I'm so far out of football. If the Super Bowl shuffle isn't incorporated <laughs> into my intro, I guess I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: made I'm quite an impression. I'm glad we could squeeze it in. Obviously, we're in the middle of what a lot of people think is going to be a landmark offseason for the Chicago Bears. And so uh, your perspective and your insight, I think, is really valuable to us, obviously, but our audience as well. And and I, the Bears are in the process of doing something that you did during your career, which is make this climb from the bottom to the top from, you know, from the the, the bottom of the NFL to relevant to to sustainable success to hoisting up that 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 silver trophy and so I guess our first question for you is how do we get from here to there yeah. <laughs> as we as we map it out
1: yeah it's not linear that's for sure I mean there's you know I, I came in and played 12 years and the only starting halfback I ever had in my entire career was Walter Payton <laughs> I think mean, that's pretty amazing he played 18 yeah. years and missed one game his rookie year but we had a great player right and then it was just a matter of you know, I just looked the other day. The Green Bay Packers, you know, with two great quarterbacks uh, over the last thirty years, they've had six quarterbacks start for the Green Bay Packers since nineteen ninety two. Six, <laughs> and and that and Brett Favre only missed one game, so he had one backup game. We've had thirty six. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Thirty six quarterbacks since nineteen. And you look and go, oh my god, you know. So. Right. Uh, it was a little bit different but there are signature pieces that i would look back and go when we got this guy or we got this guy and i would say two things one when dan hampton joined the chicago bears our defense and i think our offensive line immediately got better because dan was such an animal you know even in practice i mean he just you know i think made everybody look a lot better two and this is really relevant to our discussion today we had one unbelievable draft. Yeah. I think it was 1983. Yep. And, but if you look at the Bears, and this is before free agency, we had great scouts who the first and second round picks mostly, if not ex- exclusively, panned out. So that you had Walter was a one. McMahon was a one. Sui was a two. Both tackles, offensive tackles, were ones. Uh, Willie Galt was a one. And on defense, you had the Fridge and you had Mike Hartenstein was a number two. uh, Hamp was a one. The linebackers, Singletary was a two. And the two outside linebackers were ones. And then Mike Richardson, our quarterback, was a two. And I think Dave Dewarson was a three. Great draft choices. And so (laughs) I say that because this is the opportunity for the Bears. The cupboard is pretty bare right now. And if you look on the defensive side, you got rid of your best linebacker, Roquan Smith. I guess, well, maybe with Mac too, but you you let those guys though, and then Quinn. And so now here's an opportunity to really stack up, but not just on one draft. I think they have an opportunity and they're going to look at everything. They're going to have an opportunity to really probably get high draft choices over the next couple of years. And, you know, I I heard a stat the other day, I looked it up, only 30% of first round draft choices in the NFL make it to the second contract signing with their, they're the team that drafted them right so if you if just say a third of your players over the next you know let's you be generous over your first second and third round picks 50 percent of them are going to you know aren't going to pan out if not more then you've got to have choices and yeah. i don't think the bears are in a position to really rely on one game changer i mean if you got you know whoever it is and so they have to be looking and you know they got fortunate that the quarterbacks did well in the combine so that probably ups the ante a little bit particularly with Richardson from Florida what a monster huh yeah yeah I mean, you look at those and go nobody could be that big and that fast uh, but it but it improves their chances of you know if they choose and the opportunity presents itself to be able to get high draft choices this year and next year and still get High-quality players uh, in their their first couple of picks, particularly and, number one.
2: What's the appropriate level of commitment in your mind to Justin Fields? Because I think that obviously, I remember talking to you at the beginning of the season, and certainly he flashed a little bit as a rookie. But we saw a lot more growth in season two. But it was, you know, a, a season of three different sections: the first five games, middle five games, and then the last five. And I think the middle five are what we're focusing on because if you're Ryan Pohl, it, the, you have to believe in something. And it seems like mm. they're going to see this through in his words. Is is that the appropriate level? Would you do that if you were him?
1: Yeah, but, David, I mean, you know, I think everybody is hoping, right? I mean, he was great on the run. No, But, you know, I talked to Ron Rivera. I talked to Leslie Frazier, the D coordinator before the Buffalo game. Everybody has the same thing. Keep the guy in the pocket he can't beat you. And, and that's true for any young quarterback, you know. They can run like crazy, and he hadn't an, – I mean, he's not going to have a season like that probably the rest of his career. Right. I yeah. hope not. I hope not because, you know what, he needs to be able to demonstrate that he can really – develop some consistency, and, and for the whole offense, that means to get some rhythm. I mean, I was a wide receiver at, at, in college, and you know what? If your quarterback doesn't see you repeatedly when you're wide open and or more than anything else, it's like, oh, instead of getting five or six catches in a game, you only get three, it's hard. It's hard because you know I'm trying to figure out zone read and or is it man or how's this guy? Is this guy really good at bumping and running and all that? So by the time you get into the second half and the fourth quarter, you kind of know how you're going to set up or which which plays are going to work uh, better than others. And with the Bears' passing offense, they they didn't have that uh, because of they didn't have consistency at the wide receiver position, but really you know, Fields, as good as he did, and he definitely made progress, you need to see whether or not he can take that next step. And it's not that he won't be able to, but he has to be able to take that next step because he's either going to get hurt and it may not be, you know, running the ball as much as just scrambling around and all of a sudden you get in an awkward position where there are two, three hundred and fifty pound guys who fall on you and you do something. and, And, you know, now we're going on to the next quarterback.
0: Yeah. Or you've taken 57 hits over the course of 10 weeks because you're running so much and that gets there. So as an extension of that, you know, I was, I was refreshed to hear Ryan polls kind of uh, double down last week and saying, look, like in the NFL, the windows are smaller. The time to see them is faster. It passes by you. And so that Justin as a processor has to speed up and understand what the NFL passing game is all about. Would you in his shoes consider looking at one of these quarterbacks that we've talked about at the top of the draft to, to, to leave your mind open, to be blown away. In the next 7 weeks.
1: I I don't see that. I mean that's that's taking a real risk and I think it would just it would be really hard because now you're just really saying that you're going to restart mm-hmm. at the most important position and I just wonder you know he hasn't been fully committed but right. if you're a player on that team come on. I mean, you know it's like oh here we go again. Now we got a new regime and they they now are saying after two years, oh, no, we got that doesn't count. Right. And, you know, as much as, you know, having hits is you know, <laughs> as, uh, as a great, uh, you know, thing to, to talk about. Most of those guys aren't going to be here in three years. So when you're talking about developing a culture, when you in the NFL have a 25 percent turnover every year, but you've got to have those core people and they don't have it. They don't have it in the front seven. That's for sure. I mean, there's no way that front four is going to be around in a starting position for the Chicago Bears, or we're never going to get past 500. And so, you know, this is the opportunity, not just for this year, but for the next couple of years to start layering in, you know, some hopefully future Hall of Fame players.
2: So you have more salary cap space than any team in the NFL, and you have the number one overall draft pick, and you're Ryan Poles. Which is the way that you? I mean, how does one complement the other? Do you go yeah. into free agency with a need-based approach, whereas the draft you have to go in with not having that same same mindset, being open-minded to different positions, or do you try to find a way where you know free agency complements your draft, and you have so many needs that you go in with a priority list?
1: Yeah, I bet. I bet we we would really smile if we saw the board. <laughs> yeah, you know, try to contemplate all those probabilities because it is a probability game right now. It's going to be okay, we really don't know what we're going to get with the draft. And we may just stay with the pick, but you know, this is uh, behavioral science, right? You're gonna get which which person is really, really willing to go over the top. And you know, if you're a if you're a white if, if you're a general manager and you're on the kind of, you know, make it or break it this year, you're like, you'll give away number one next year. You don't care. You may not even be here. And so I think that, you know, the Bears are in a position to say, look, I need to have some assurance that I can get a really good player. I don't know, you know, that's up for them to decide how far down you'd be willing to go if you were to trade the number one pick. But you're going to get more than just that number one uh, trade. And then it's a question of, okay, in the top 50, the Bears only have – do they only have one in the top 50 right now? Right now. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, they want to try to get two, and then they want to get something so they can layer in uh, in next year. How much can you get next year? So, I, you know, I think that it's going to be uh, a real challenge for them, but also very exciting to be able to say, look, we have so many different scenarios. And I think, you know, David – I, I I should know this, but the free agency starts first, right? Correct. So so it's going to be, okay, we've got to have a game plan for, you know, who are we going for free agent because of the multiple options that we have for the draft. But it's still going to come down to, you know, you've got to improve your defensive line. It doesn't matter if it's free agency or if it's uh, through the draft. But you need a nose tackle or a you know three technique, four, three uh, tackle and then you need a defensive end. You need that combination of those two. and then you know they're gonna, I think offensive, hey, we know what the needs are they're everywhere but quarterback, right? And you need you know you need to I guess in some ways stabilize but overall improve the offensive line. I mean the offensive line's kind of interesting. The Bears did really well on the run but they didn't do very well on the passing game. And we don't, you know, unless you're with those coaches, it was a combination. It wasn't always the offensive line. Right. They couldn't stay healthy. God, I mean, it's so hard. Certain groups have to work as a unit, and and they can't work as a unit when every week you've got a new person inserted in uh, to the starting lineup. And so I I think with the line's going to get better, and – You definitely have to improve your wide receiver core. You need to improve your front seven on defense. And that tells me that you can't just pick one guy. And there's just too many holes in the dike right now. No doubt. Yeah. And so I I think that, you know, they're going to probably, if I had to pick, I, I would, if you forced me, I would say go for the choices because I think they're going to get that opportunity again because fortunately there are enough people who want and need desperately need a young quarterback for their yes. franchise and they're at push come to shove usually they end up giving you more than they should
0: We're riding in that same bus with you. Trade back, accumulate picks. I just finished my 10th season on the beat. You guys have been around this franchise a lot longer than I have been. And behavioral science is what it is like to follow the Chicago Bears in a lot of ways. It leads me to my next question, Gary, because this was this last year. The reason that the Bears have the number one overall pick is because of a season in which they lost a franchise record 14 games, a season that ended with a franchise record 10 consecutive losses. And yet the level of forgiveness in the city was unlike anything that David and I I have ever seen, and I'm sure you might agree with that. I'm just curious what your reaction was to the 2022 season and the way the results didn't necessarily match with the public reaction to what was happening with their football team.
1: Right. I think all of us as fans were put in a unique position where you're like, okay, the only thing that really matters is quarterback, and forget the record. I mean, it really became forget the record. How does the quarterback progress? And he delivered. Excitement. I mean, beyond your expectation in terms of the running. But in terms of the passing, when you're really you know a little more sober, and you look back and go, <laughs> we didn't make a lot of progress on that, and we've got a lot of work to do. But the other thing is that I was just very impressed one by the coaches, and I think they did a good job of coaching up. And that these teams, you know, and we all know this, I mean they were in a lot of these games. Now, it turns out that the point differential in the whole NFL kind of followed that trend. Things were a lot closer. But I do think that, you know, the excitement of having a quarterback do as much as Justin did was very encouraging. But then you have to sober up a little bit and say, but, you know, when it really came down to could they make the big plays in the fourth quarter, they couldn't. Uh, So we have to improve. So
0: what would you – put as a realistic kind of bar for you as, as somebody that, that cares deeply about this organization, where they need to go for 2023, what would you like to see that bar be that they have to clear in 2023 for you to feel better about the direction? And so we're not sitting here talking about three and 14 and number one picks again. Yeah. You
1: know, I would say that realistically it's probably a 500 season where you go, we're, we're making progress and we're making progress with really young people. And so I'm encouraged that there's some uh, tails on this comment because we're headed in the right direction. I mean, you know, when the Bears won, when we won the Super Bowl, we were one of the youngest teams in the NFL. There was a lot of reason to feel, you know, that we were, you know, probably going to have an opportunity to get to more than one Super Bowl. And I think if Jim McMahon had been healthy, we might be able to do that. If we didn't have the strike in my last year in 1987, but we were still in it. I mean, you know, we were in the playoffs in 84, we won it in 85, we were in it in 86, we We're in it in 87. My first year was 1988 as a fan, yeah. and uh, I was at that game against San Francisco, and I'm going, okay, I got the good angel and the bad angel, you know, I want them to win, but do they have to win uh, the first year out uh, after I retire? Right? So, uh, but, you know, that five years in a row that they were in the playoffs, and, and everybody, no one doubted that they could get to the Super Bowl in all but probably one of those years. And that was 84 when we were still, you know, kind of learning our way and we got wiped out in San Francisco. But even that game was really important because, one, Jim McMahon didn't play. But two, we were like, hey, we're, this is it. This is now we know. We, we could sniff it. Yeah. And how, what we, we are going to do to get over that line. And fortunately, you know, we went out that next season and beat that. out of uh, the 49ers and it was like we were it was like a playoff game yeah and so we were ready but so it's the whole organization you know the expectations uh change and it's it's fun to be a part of that process uh you know we were never as bad as that record for the bears this year i mean you know we were on seven and nine the next year nine and seven and you know you just you just couldn't quite get there. And you're like, but you know, I never was in a game period where I didn't think we could win the game. Now, by the fourth quarter, Doug Blank and I might be saying, you know, it's time <laughs> to just have some fun. Because you're not gonna win this game. Uh, <laughs> but it um yeah, but you 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 mature, you grow and and I think that also for us there was a really steady group, a core group that kind of uh, went that way, and you know, on defense we had Buddy Ryan, which was really you know our common thread. Fortunately, when uh, when Mike Ditka came in, George Hallis had already kept uh, Buddy Ryan before Mike got that opportunity.
2: So, Gary, this offseason is as big as an offseason as the Bears have had in, in recent memory, maybe ever. And they're, while they're trying to get, to get put together a team that can compete for a Super Bowl, they're likely trying to build a stadium that can host one out in Arlington Heights. That is yeah. a matter of when, not if, it seems. Just wonder, from your perspective, number one, as a former player, what you think about that move, but also – the appointment of kevin warren as the team president who has success in such building project in minnesota and certainly part of the rams back in the day what you think of kevin warren's ability to lead this team toward arlington heights which is uh, would be a historic move
1: yeah i i but i think kevin warren's hire is you know hey it's more than just a stadium you know they got a very experienced person who was an agent uh, coming out of the big 10 as the commissioner I applaud the Bears for, you know, making that big hire. I mean, that's a big-time hire for them, and, and it's kind of un, uh, unbear-like in a way. So, I uh, you know, I'm very encouraged by that. I think the, you know, stadium is a done deal. It's just a matter of how much, you know, what kind of support can they get, if any, uh, from a tax perspective. And... Um, you know, I'm not the most excited about that because I live in Lincoln Park. And so it's going to be a little bit more of a haul. And I'm not fooling, you, you know, people go, oh, it's not going to be a problem with traffic. Give me a break. I grew up in Barrington. It, it, it's going to be a problem uh, getting out there and getting in because you only have 53 that has, you know, more than, you know, two lanes. And so, the you know, I think it's going to be a challenge. But it can't be any worse than going down and right. trying to get into Soldier Field where, you know, I am a season ticket holder. And you go south on Lakeshore Drive and that little turn on Roosevelt to get the hard left <laughs> to get that could just taking getting off of Lakeshore Drive where I could walk in five minutes might take you 30 to 45 minutes, which is a,
0: brutal. Yeah, it, it is, and it's mind numbing at times. I, I, I'm thinking you, you had it written in your contract, right, that you would be a season ticket holder in perpetuity. Am I correct on
1: that? You are correct.
0: Okay, so maybe so far the Bears have honored that. Maybe with Kevin Warren in place, you can get a Metro Pass that will get you, and you don't have to deal with traffic. You can just take the train
1: there. Hey, no, wait, <laughs> hey, the most important. Uh, if I could get a parking pass, right? <laughs> I mean, I got the tickets, but I, you know, to get the parking, it's kind of critical too.
2: That, that's so, a great clause to have in your contract, by the way. I don't know anybody <laughs> else know uh, that has did that.
1: I, you know, I honestly, I'm not even sure it wasn't my idea. It was my friend who was my attorney. But you know, when the Bears. Redid Soldier Field, I was still doing Fox TV on the weekends. And so, uh, you know, I talked to the guys, you know, uh, Waddle about my clause. And so the question was uh, in my contract was if the Bears build a new stadium, I get tickets, you know, between the 40 in the middle of the first section in perpetuity. (laughs) So we're on Fox at night. And uh, I mentioned, you know, and Wada goes, you know, that that stadium, it's really not a new stadium. It's, it's really a renovation. And I'm like, oh, don't go there. And then, the Bears, and then the Bears came out with their new logo and their new logo was the new stadium at Soldier Field. And I'm like, print, print, print. And so I sent it to, uh, to Ted Phillips, the president, and, uh, and George McCaskey, who, who at the time was the head of tickets. And I, you know, followed up and I, you know, I might know it was, oh, we're so excited. Uh, The Bears are going to the playoffs. And oh, by the way, you may not be aware of a clause in my 1986 contract, uh, which I've enclosed. And George called me up and and he said, oh, we got your letter. And I said, so what do you think? He goes, I think you're pretty smart. (laughs) They honored it. That's the most important thing. So, so you know, I mean, I'm a season ticket holder and happy to be it. And, you know, I'm not... You know, Soldier Field is really, a, there's a great uh, sight lines and everything. But it's, um, I think when you go to Lambeau, if you go to the University of Notre Dame, you see a pride in those organizations. I mean, there are old guys like me who are, you know, getting paid. Uh, but every one of them will say, welcome to the University of Notre Dame. Welcome to Lambeau Field. Right? We go to Soldier Field and it's like, it's not that kind of experience. And so I, you know, I think it's, you know, it's going to take a lot and um, you know, but I, I've looked at, I went to the opening game uh, in LA when the bears opened that up against the Rams uh, two years ago, I took my family last year to, to the Vegas game. And uh, you know, SoFi stadium is magnificent really from a sideline. I was on the upper deck, you know, third section, the sound was great. The TVs were great. It was a really good experience. They had problems getting out of parking, though. I yeah. It. But the uh, the Vegas Stadium was awesome from the outside. But when you got on the inside, it was it, to me it was disappointing. It was more like an Indianapolis Colts Stadium where you have uh, four corners. There's uh, you, you have those smaller screens but the you couldn't the sound wasn't very good but the worst thing was you know when you're at soldier field or a lot of the older stadiums the concourses are probably they're kind of tight yeah and, and that's how it was at Vegas. It was almost like they built the concourse, and then someone said, oh, by the way, we're putting in these concession stands. <laughs> oh, oh, nobody told us that. And so they <laughs> put them in, and yeah, it's just like going to Soldier Field. So I I, I haven't been up to the Minnesota stadium. you I, it. I've heard it. nothing but positive things about it. And so I think with Kevin's involvement uh, when he was with the Vikings, that that would certainly be – you know, hell, they're going to look at everything, and hopefully the stadium that they build is going to be the next generation where people are going to go, wow, you've got to go, to, yes. you've got to go see that stadium because uh, it's, it's really cool.
0: You mentioned, obviously, Kevin's involvement will be extending far beyond the stadium, and we agree with you on that. And, and the top line on Kevin Warren's scouting report from anyone that you talk to that's been around him says that he's going to elevate the standards inside 1920 football driving lake Forest. i'm curious as somebody with institutional knowledge what that means to you how that resonates with you and 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 what you think that that can do to sort of propel this organization in the direction that we've talked forever it needs to go
1: you know i i would say one his personality alone right i mean george mccaskey has made it very clear that he doesn't you know make football decisions but he's invisible to the team And so I think that Kevin is going to be a more omnipresent person. I mean, not not in a negative way, but people are going to know, hey, this person is looking over everything and he has knowledge about football. And he's going to put his imprint on that, you know. And so I think everybody just kind of straightened up a little bit more. Yeah. And they're going to say, hey, someone's looking and somebody knows what to look for. And so I think that that's just not in a negative way, but in a real positive way, you should say as a person working in the building, whether it's, you know, development of sponsors, to the GM, to you know how we conduct ourselves. Because you know, if you really do want to be a great franchise, uh, which the Bears is, but they have a lot of room for improvement. And I think leadership is really critically important. And I hope, and I haven't met Kevin, but look forward to it. But anyone that I've talked to uh, has said, well, you know, I mean, look what he did just before he left, or he, I guess he yeah. said there with the Big Ten. I mean, hey, did anybody, I certainly didn't hear anything about, wow, we're going to extend out. My son went to USC, now he's all excited <laughs> about going to Michigan when USC plays there. But that was a huge, huge uh, change, and one that they did very quietly, and I think did very successfully as well. So, is it going to be transformational? I think. I don't know that you know you need to transform something, but I think this franchise needs better leadership in terms of the day to day for football. You know, I mean, we were blessed when I was playing. George Hallis only came one time, to, uh, two times to talk to us. And the first time was we couldn't believe it. I mean, this guy was in his 80s and, it, and everybody really uh, was excited about him coming. And the second time was I had written a letter, uh, covered my butt, had everybody sign it on the defense to George Allis saying, you should keep the defensive coaches when we knew that Neil Armstrong was going to be fired. And George Hallis showed up. We didn't have an indoor facility. So we had the Great Lakes Naval Training Center. They had, you know, from World War II, these great big drill halls. Not too good if you have a knee problem because they're all cement floors. But George came in and when he came in, I knew right away it was about that letter. And we had already broken up offensively and defensively. And he told our coaches, take a hike. And he says, I've never gotten a letter like this. Your coaches will be back next year. <laughs> and then, you know, so the offensive guys go, hey, what was all that about? <laughs> well, him, just told us to keep it secret, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, he, he lived up to that. And so, you know, that that was a monumental decision uh, to bring in and do something very unusual. I mean, I don't know that a special teams coach, this is what – coach Ditka was down in Dallas, had ever been named a head coach. But, you know, it was unusual. And a few guys that I knew down in Dallas said, good luck. Uh, but it transformed uh, us in a real positive way. He created a sense of urgency. Uh, he created accountability. And I'm, I'm not saying right now that the Bears don't have that. Because I think, you know, I don't know polls and I've only met uh, Matt a couple of times. So I have no doubt that they are consistent in changing the culture of the organization, but it starts at the very top. yeah. And, and so I think that bringing in Kevin was, uh, as I said at the beginning, a positive move. And then one that, uh, again, I have to congratulate the McCaskeys and George in particular for having the, I'll say, courage uh, to do that.
2: So, Gary, before we let you go, and I really appreciate your time, last one I have is that, so you're kind of leading me in that direction. What do the Bears have to do to kind of regain or earn back the benefit of the doubt from people, whether it's former players, a fan base? Forget about the media. It's just there's this inherent cynicism sometimes that surrounds everything to do with the Bears over the last decade or so. What do you in your mind, how would you articulate what they need to do as a franchise to kind of win back some of that
1: trust? Yeah, you know, David, that's really interesting because I talk to people, I go, you know, uh in 1985, and this is almost kind of gets to the Super Bowl shuffle. I'm like, I grew up in Chicago. I can't believe I agreed to do anything stupid enough. <laughs> Forget the dance and all that that was called Super Bowl during the football season. It wasn't until like five plus years ago that I I it really bothered me. And um because we did that during the season, like in the month of November. And I was talking to Willie Galt, who really was the person responsible for that. And Willie, and I mean, I it, it just made me feel better. Initially, it was just called a shuffle. And so, you know, it wasn't like we're so cocky. You know, you, David, come on, you play football. You put stuff on the billboard going, like, oh, look at these uh, idiots. They think that, you know, and you're like, oh, my God, what did I do? And, um, and, and also, think about trademark. You couldn't today if you tried to call Super <laughs> Bowl. Annabelle would be all over you. Oh, well, right. did we ask for permission to wear the bear uniforms? Nah, nah. <laughs> it was just so amateur hour, right? But it it all worked. And I, but I do say that uh, you have to earn it. And I, the, the no team had won in the city of Chicago in 1985 since the '63 Bears, and so. You know this might be hopeful. Maybe it's every twenty years the Bears do well. I mean, like, <laughs> eighty-five, two thousand six, and we're almost out there. You know, right there. Maybe we're on our way on that on that twenty-year path. But I I think that you need to earn that, and it comes incrementally. But while that cynicism or skepticism might be half inch deep, the moment you start winning, the bear fans around the world come out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, will, you know, it's almost like they're coming out. Uh, they go away every 20 years, but man, when they finally come back out of hibernation, uh, it's it's a joyful moment. And and you know, I have people go look. That that was a generation ago, and people go, I'll never forget it. Yeah. It was just so much fun, and no, the, we had so many characters, but none of them were manufactured. And it was really kind of the beginning of people and maybe the reason that you guys have jobs not much dan but david is that people were kind of interested in players across all sports uh not only on the field but off the field and that's true for you know basketball or baseball or football and we had a unique set of guys you know from the whole defense and uh, the fridge and you know, Walter and uh, McMahon. I mean, gosh, it, it, uh, sometimes you just kind of look and go, wow, th- these guys are nuts. But <laughs> there's something that really wove us all together. And, you know, at the end, you do realize that the n- number of years that you have is a pretty short career. I mean, even even if you get lucky and play 10 years, that's that's still relatively short compared to your uh, the rest of your life. And you know, you when you know that that hourglass is just going out, spinning out, you start to see the leaders kind of say, "Hey, we we've got a window here and we're not going to allow some of you to screw uh-huh. up." And so you so you know, I, I you always talk about Dick was great, Buddy Rhymes great and they were, believe me, I'm not taking anything away from them. But when you're in the huddle, that's where it all happens. You know, you're looking and, you know, you're saying, come on, we really need, you know, Richard, we really need, you know, a <laughs> they could do it. I mean, you know, and I, I got to see it when I moved to free safety because it's strong. You're a little bit kind of like a mini linebacker, but when you're free safety, you can pretty much see, is this blitz going to work? Yes, it is. Cause they don't have a back on the right side. And we got two guys coming off the 46 and, uh, or, you know, Richard or, or Dan, would just in era or even McMichael, they would just be owning guys. I mean, I, I see some stuff sometimes. I go, I saw something a couple of weeks ago. It had like a shortcut of the, all the games in '85. I go, holy smokes! Yeah, I, mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't believe how good the defense. I mean, it's <laughs> blitzes and everything. And then you know, over the decades, guys that you played against go, you know what? You guys are just such a cut above any other defense that we we'd ever seen. And uh, it was it was it was great to be a part of it.
0: Gary, last thing, just to, as an extension of that, June two thousand and nineteen, that Bears one hundred convention takes over Rosemont, and I still get goosebumps of thinking the entire experience from Friday to Sunday, and just the the wealth of history and tradition and brain power and everything that was inside that convention center over that weekend. Kevin Warren talked when he was hired in January about trying to connect at a greater level with the alumni base of the Chicago Bears. It kind of all ties together. And my question for you is kind of just how do you see sort of the appropriate level of alumni involvement in a way that is productive for the franchise without being overkill of, you know, 2000 alumni coming in and filling a suggestion box that can never be uh, emptied?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Dan. First of all, I want to say the Bears are one of the few organizations in the NFL that my entire post career is over 30 years have an annual weekend for anyone who ever played for the bears. And today it's at the Hyatt, uh, off of Wacker. It is outstanding. And they give good swag too. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, they really improve that, uh, dramatically. So they do make an effort in, and I didn't realize a lot of teams don't. I, I the bears, you know, and you probably see this dan and, and david more than any other alumni would is that for some reason it's really secretive to go up to Hallis hall and they i don't think they've ever invited alumni i mean occasionally do like i've been invited up or, or maybe individuals but i think that the players that i played with would be in shock how <laughs> uh, unbelievable the Chicago Bears facility is. And fans yeah. should know this. I mean, because, you know, the days of, oh, the Bears are so cheap. They're, they're not cheap. Uh, and they, there's Ryan Pace's fingerprints. They, Brian, Brian Pace they, they some prince. poor decisions. Yeah. That, they're not a cheap team. And, uh, and, and so uh, I think that there could be some other opportunities. I'm on the Bears' charitable arm, and we do uh, give matching opportunities for any alumni. Uh, and I, I hope that Kevin does uh, try to involve the alumni a little bit more. But I, but I'm also I appreciate the fact that you know this is now a 12 month job. You know we you don't have any real off seasons anymore, yeah. and so that facility is always in use. But I'm sure that there could be some other opportunities, or at least an attempt, or maybe even hey, how about doing a survey and see whether or not the alumni would like to do, you know, some other things, but, you know, for that one weekend, which they have every year, it's a blast to see guys. And I, uh, and I agree with you, Dan, the, um, that 100th celebration exceeded yeah. my expectations. It was a blast. It really was so much fun because from Dick Butkus to, you know, Mike Brown and, and guys that you, uh, you know, you would like to meet or maybe only met a couple of times, It was really fun to be on those panel discussions. And at the beginning, you know, we were all behind the curtain and the current team was, you know, kind of on one side of the room and all the uh, alumni were on the other. And then after, you you know, you had all these different sections talking and you're like, actually, I didn't know who that was or (laughs) I didn't, you know, I wow, that's pretty cool. But those guys, when you had the cocktail party after it was all over, all of a sudden everybody was intermingling. It was really it was fun to see in a really short period of time how quickly the bonds are where people go, hey, yeah, I'm 20 years behind you. But or, you know, some of the guys who played before us and you're like, wow, guys from the 63 team. And, uh, you know, it it was a, a joy to be a part of that.
2: Gary, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. We appreciate you joining us here on the Take the North podcast. Look forward to future conversations down the road.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you know, Dan, I, I haven't given up on the Tribune, although the, you know it's uh, getting a little skinnier, it seems, uh, of Chicago content. And, uh, and David, I'm sure we'll talk to you on the score so. as <laughs> well. Thanks, Gary. You're my best as well.
2: Gary Fensick, former '85 Bear, former Super Bowl shuffler, a lot of fun, Dan. A lot of great conversations there, and he was gracious with his time. Got a lot out of it. You know, when I was in college at Ball State, before we wrap up here, I had I was a free safety. And I had one picture on my dorm room. It was framed. It was a, it was a picture of Gary Fensick from the Chicago Tribune magazine. That was on the It was in the big spread on Gary Fensick. And it was like, okay, that was a good reminder because he was a lot like – I tried to be a lot like he was because neither one of us could run. And, um, and he was my favorite bear on that 85 bear team. So it's always a thrill to talk to Gary Fensick.
0: So I think he was my mother-in-law's favorite bear on that 85 bears team. And my wife believes that her mom may still have a crush on Gary Fensick. We didn't have to bring that up within the podcast, but that's just a little footnote on that conversation. If you had told 10 year old me, David, who was in third grade when the bears won the super bowl uh, that, you know, that you, you you know, up the road, you're going to have a podcast and you're going to be able to pick the brain of Gary Fensick on every single thing that the bears are doing right now. I would have collapsed, fainted, wouldn't have known what to do with it. But that team, obviously for anyone that, that grew up in this city left an indefinite, mark in so many different ways. And it's just really cool that Gary is still so engaged, uh, still so insightful. He's just appreciative of the the amount of wisdom that he can bring to a conversation about the X's and O's that are on the field now and just the big picture stuff that goes along with that. And part of that is because of his engagement as a season ticket holder forever, right? Like he's going to be in there in those seats forming an informed opinion. And David, hopefully at next year's alumni weekend, they can throw a parking pass in that swag bag and Gary will be a little happier.
2: That would be great. Yeah, now that he has dropped a hint in a big way. All right, so that is Gary Fensick. That was a lot of fun. We talked about the draft. We got into Fensick. And next time, we'll talk about free agency, which is right around the corner and what else happens in a busy week because the post-combine activity with the pre-free agency activity, there's going to be a lot to discuss Friday. But that's all we got for today. Anything else that we
0: forgot, Dan? No, we're on the bridge as you said between the Combine and Free Agency and the traffic is moving fast on this bridge and we're going to get there really quick so I'm really eager to talk next time about some of the uh, some of the visions for Free Agency and what what folks on the outside can expect.
2: Thank you for the, to listen. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast on your Free Odyssey app and also watching on the 670 the Scores YouTube page. We will be back on Friday morning for Dan Weeder and Adam Szinsky. I'm David Hall. We'll talk to you next time.